0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and today we're just going to get right to it. However you got here today, whether it was an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe and rate if you haven't yet. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. There's merch, too. Click on the link in either of those bios or go to shop.believe.com to purchase three different shirts, a few different colors, for covering our bases, safer out, and catch you soon. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases. I'll give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview, which is part two of my conversation with Phil Bruder. Part one, we covered a lot. We talked about his coaching career, stories from when I played with him in travel ball, college recruiting, and the hundreds of girls that he helped get college scholarships, how the game's evolved over the 50 years that he's been in it, hot topics of college softball today, and more. Plenty more for you in part two as well. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. <laughs> Bet online, where the game starts. <laughs> this week, first, where we're gonna start is college softball, the NCAA rule changes for this upcoming season. So for 2024, there are 12 rule changes. And some of these you've actually heard guests talk about, especially in the safer out segment that I do with each of them. And there's some hot topics in the softball world. So I'm gonna cover some of the big ones leaping for pitchers. First one, pitchers can be airborne after they push off the rubber. So this is like the international rule where you actually are allowed to quote unquote leap, but they can't replant and then push off again after that, but they can have both feet in the air at the same time. I happen to know a lot of pitchers who are gonna be happy about this this new rule mostly because of consistency i think it's consistency across all levels meaning it matches what we see in international play and then you know it's going to be ideally called more consistently throughout the season so I'm, I'm looking at you kenzie fowler one of our friends of the show The second one is obstruction so what is important in this situation is I, we've all felt for the catchers you've heard the catchers on the show for this It is not considered obstructing anymore if they are in possession of the ball or they're making a legitimate reaction to the trajectory of the ball after it's thrown. And also, if in the judgment of the umpire, the runner would have clearly been out, then obstruction is ignored. I think, you know, I'm all about safety, but I really want to let the catchers play. It's not just catchers, right? Like This is at all the bases, but catchers were, I think, mostly affected by this. And it was one of those things where it's like, what do we expect them to do? You know, you hear catchers like Gwen Speckes and others come on the show, like, what are they supposed to do? Not go after the ball? So it's still a judgment call a little bit from the umpire. So there's no guarantee of consistency still, but there's just less technicality about it, especially if someone's clearly out, they're just playing wherever the ball was thrown. Like they're letting them play a little bit more. So I think some catchers are going to be happy about that one as well. Then there's a play clock as well. So in between pitches it's going down from 25 seconds to 20 seconds. So the hitter has to be ready to hit in 10 seconds in the box. Pitcher has to start their windup before the rest of the time is up. You can have a physical clock that actually shows this and counts down or umpires will monitor it. So the way I was thinking about this in my head is, let's say there's 100 pitches thrown on each side, each team. So let's say 200 pitches in a game. If there's five less seconds for each pitch, you're shaving off about a thousand seconds in total, which is almost 17 minutes that you're taking off the, the total amount of the game. So that can add up. And this is also, and some of you have heard this on the show previously, like this is where I've said, I think we can shave some time off of games if we want to make it a little bit quicker. It's the in-between pitches, the hitters kind of taking their time walking all the way back to the dugout and back to the box. And then even pitchers taking their time walking out of the circle it's an area where I think we can just shave a little time off and just have a little bit more efficiency. So I think from there, video review is also expanded. So now it'll include more things that are eligible for video review. So this includes leaving the base early when you're running. So this could be before a pitch, like a steal, for example. That has to be challenged by a coach. Umpires can't just do that. But then also for home runs, hit by pitch, whether it's a catch or a no catch in any situation. I am pro getting the call right, so I appreciate that there are more things that we can double check. It might add a little bit of time to the game, since there are more things now that could be reviewed, but I think the play clock also kind of helps balance that out at the same time. So some of the others include the double bag at first base, too, and I think safety, that is a given. Most of the guests that come on this show are saying, yes, we should absolutely be doing that. Um, assistant coaches can't leave the dugout or the bullpen area to appeal, question, or argue any play on the field. So I just want to say good luck to the pitching coaches because it's so hard when you're so competitive. You know, you're you're very invested into it, so that's going to be interesting to see pitching coaches have to deal with. Fences too also have to be 200 feet for any new construction that's happening. I think that's fair. There have been fields that I've seen that I played on that were 190 which was interesting. I think at this level, 200 feet makes sense as a minimum. Again, some of these were possible in certain conferences already, but the NCAA changing these rules makes it more of a nationwide adoption for these things. So in theory, a lot of issues that fans were having are being addressed in some way with these changes. Lack of consistency in certain calls, getting the calls right, and then just being cognizant of time during the games. So now we just, we got to see it in action. Second, speaking of action, let's talk about pro softball action now. The WPF champions, the Texas smoke took it all. They left no doubt on the field. The first inaugural full season for the WPF, the final score of the last game was 14 to two. They had four home runs, including a pinch hit home run even from Auburn alum, Alyssa Rivera. And it was just such an exclamation point. On the season, and it's history, right? It's the first ever Schiffhauer Cup, the championship. It was named after Rick Schiffhauer, who was a Vipers and league owner who recently passed away after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. And he had such a passion for the game. So they're honoring him in that way. And the Smoke are the ones to take that cup home. And again, huge shout out to head coach Tori Tyson. I mean, a friend of this show, but also just someone who's such a badass. I mean, making history is no mystery for this woman. Last year, she led Howard to its first conference championship in 15 years. This year, she wins the first ever WPF championship with the Smoke. I think it's obvious that this woman knows how to build. And I think that building something is one of the most impressive things that you can do. It shows that you're really the real deal. And it was a regular season title for the Smoke as well. Offensive player of the year, Morgan Howe. Pitcher of the year, Autumn Peace. Like, they just brought it. summer and it's a big deal it's a big deal for multiple reasons just straight up performance was outstanding but also this is a first year organization the smoke didn't exist before this and this is the first official year of the league so again building something from scratch from the ground up and i will say the owners ex-mlb player brandon phillips and pro wrestler jade cargill they also showed such a cool investment in women's sports To me, it's like, yes, you see the men investing, the men from baseball investing into softball and also women supporting women. Another wrestler with Jade being able to actually see the value in softball and want to be able to contribute to it. It's a big deal. And the coaching staff as well, made up of women of color, like there are just so many different things that this season represents. And I think there's just a ton of pride across the board. And again, kudos to Tori Tyson for leading the way. Third. Little League champions. So speaking of championships, Little League softball has been happening, and it's been so fun to watch and more history being made. New York brings home its first title ever. The Massapequa International Little League represented the Mid-Atlantic region, and they brought it home. And I think the cool thing about this, there are many, but one of them is the more and more talent that we are seeing coast to coast and up and down the country, especially at a young age because it shows even more that visibility creates opportunity, which then leads to growth. And, you know, for example, I had a college teammate, Maddie Kuhn from New York, and she played for the Virginia Shamrocks for her travel ball team. And that was for the best competition, you know, best visibility for getting recruited. But now you see at this youth level, you know, there's opportunities for girls to stick together in New York and win. And I think the visibility on TV too, is also really cool. I mean, it's, it's ESPN, right? You know, second most watched Little League Softball World Series ever. The most watched since 2010. And it peaked at over a million viewers. The fact that it's the same network and even the same announcers with Amanda Scarborough, with Michelle Smith, et cetera, calling the games here the way they do with the Women's College World Series. I mean, and the fact that it's even on ABC, that just shows investment. Young girls naming their favorite athletes, too, like Kinsey Hansen, Jocelyn Owl, Valerie Cagle. Like, that is the why for us in terms of growing the game. So to not just see it at the college level, but also see it at the youth level, where it starts. Like, that's where the love of the game starts. That's amazing, in my opinion. And also to bring it home, you know, not just Little League and WPF, but watching softball all day in August has been really fun, (laughs) Like, not only did I watch, for example, the Little League Softball World Series and the WPF Championships, but I was also watching Athletes Unlimited all in the same day. And people are talking a lot about the start of football season, of course, but a lot of women's sports are happening right now. Not just softball, too. You think about the World Cup, the WNBA, even Athletes Unlimited lacrosse just ended. College field hockey is starting soon. You know, I'm actually calling my first field hockey games next week. There's so much going on, and I love to see it. And I don't know if you all have heard of this place called The Sports Bra. It is a bar in Portland, Oregon that really only showcases women's sports. I think it's so cool. And they obviously understand how cool it is that women's sports are available for us to watch all the time. So they're doing a pop-up actually with Athletes Unlimited Softball the last weekend, August 25th through 27th. And I am so excited to see that because yes, women's sports don't stop. And someone else who's still going is today's guest. Phil Bruder is back. He's just as unfiltered as he was last week, maybe even more. (laughs) And, you know, he's up front, that he's got opinions. So let's head into the rest of the interview. And if I did my research right, Kelsey was also SEC Player of the Year in 2011, Honda Award winner in 2011, which is a national award. And then Cody led the team in batting average, I think his last year at Michigan. He hit, so
0: he's- he hit 385 and he was toying with 400. And he went something like 0 for 16 against Iowa. And I called him and I go, Cody, what are you doing? She says, Dad, I can't see their, uh, their slider. It's just moving too well. And uh, he says, and the pressure. Every time I go to school, I got people coming up to me that I've never seen before and say, Cody, you're going to hit 400 this year? And he says, you don't understand the pressure. I says, pressure? Who's your father? What do you mean pressure? I put pressure on you when you were born. And he says, no, this is different pressure. This is people I've never seen in my entire life come up to me and say, Cody Bruder, you're going to hit 400? Cody, is your team going to get to the World Series? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? The pressure is unbelievable. And sometimes it gets to you. As much as a pressure player as I was, it's just, you know, and he says, and plus I was hurt. I says, Cody, why didn't you go into the draft? You know, you have, um, what's his name? For the San Diego Padres, the second baseman, Collingsworth. Okay. He hit... 30 points lower than Cody. He was on the same team. He played second base, right? And I said, Cody, he says, Dad, I would need shoulder surgery. I would need knee surgery. I would need elbow surgery. And I'm not interested to do what you did in A-ball and go ride on buses forever. And and I go, okay. He says, no, I got to go make money. You know, and uh, I said, okay. He said, I don't want surgeries. He said, I don't need surgeries unless I'm going to play pro ball. Because, uh, you know, now I can just play golf or something and just toy with everything and it doesn't matter. I said, okay. So, and yes, thank you for uh, remembering uh, the Honda Award winner uh, was really special because there's only been two in the state of Florida. In the history. Uh, and, and she's one of those. And I guess she was just um, uh, elected into Florida's Hall of Fame, I think it was three weeks ago. So that's awesome. That's Good. exciting for her.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I think I remember, if I'm not mistaken, when I was on the team, she was about to start college. And um, you had told us this was back when we filled out questionnaires physical questionnaires to send into colleges. I don't know if they really do that kind of stuff anymore, Yeah, they do. But we did that. They do. Do they do physical ones though, or are they doing it all online?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I don't have an answer. <laughs> they do it online, I believe.
1: Yeah. yeah. But this was back when we used to write them. And I think you had said that Kelsey had, they asked like her, her home to home time, I think. On, on one of them, and she had put very slow because I jog around the bases when I hit home runs. And I thought that was the funniest thing.
0: It is, and I'll, I'll go one step further. I got a call from Sue Inquist uh, at UCLA, the coach at the time, and she says, I, don't, I haven't looked at the name yet, but there was a question on the questionnaire. It says, how fast are you from home to home? And, she, and the answer was very slow. Because as far as I hit the ball, I just jog, so I've never timed. I said no one could have sent you that uh, that uh, question, that answer to that question. And she says, "Well, let me look who uh, sent this." Oh yeah, it was Kelsey Bruder. I go <laughs> and I go, Kelsey, get over here. You know, <laughs> how could you? Uh, you know, how could you uh, say that? And she had mentioned, I think to her mom, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, that, uh, well, he always held me up at third base because he didn't want me uh, to, if I tripled, he didn't want me to slide into the catcher and hurt myself. So I never was timed from home to home. So that was that's a funny story. That's funny that you would remember that. The things that you remember are amazing to me. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I I do have a good memory, but I have to say I'm very impressed with yours. We were talking about, for example, when Sarah had that great game when she was getting recruited and you remembered the situations and everything. So I think you have a good one too.
0: Well, it's uh I don't know, maybe it's by luck. Uh I try to forget the bad things and try to remember the good things. Uh but it's uh, you know, it's I tell people they they say why are you such a good co- uh, coach? I said, well, let me tell you something. Don't ask me to cook. I burn water. Don't ask me to fix anything. I- I'm not handy. I can't fix anything at all. But coaching is just something that is inborn. It's something that I guess I have a passion for and that I've worked at. It just doesn't come easy. I mean, you have to, uh, to tweak this or that to uh uh, to make it better
1: yeah well you mentioned it too that you've even adjusted your coaching style because you had to i guess with just like how society is different how this generation is different so i think it's interesting because we talk about making adjustments a lot in this game but you're also having to make adjustments even with all of this experience under your belt, we see some of these coaches who, like you said, have been coaching for 30, 40 years in college, and they have to do that too. And that doesn't seem like it's easy.
0: Well, I, I would guess, uh, and I talked to one college coach, they said, Well, when you watch us on ESPN, we're very calm, we're very quiet, uh, we don't yell and scream because, um, you know, how are you going to recruit? They won't they won't come to you if you go if you're a madman or you're a crazy lady coach or something. But when we have practice behind closed doors, there's no cameras there, and and you can go off. You can, you know, some of my kids go deaf because I'm so upset at what they did, but not on ESPN and not when cameras are there. You just can't do that and you know that. And that's why, you know, I've got girls come up to me and go, "Well, look how calm and that, calm that coach is. Look how quiet he is. Why aren't you that quiet?" I said, "Go talk to that coach and in, 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 go in practice. Go see what he says in practice, not and not when uh, when he's on camera."
1: Yeah, that's something I always appreciated about your coaching style though, it's everything was very direct. Like there weren't really surprises. You know, you were very clear, very upfront with a lot of things and you, you, ex- you know, you actually executed and, and upheld certain standards or rules for everyone. Like there weren't exceptions and everybody knew what it was. Like I remember one time, the only time I was ever late and I wasn't late for our usual time to get there, but I was late because you had told us to get there early. I can't remember why, but there was a reason. And I was late for that early time. And I knew that I was in trouble. <laughs> so we wa- I walked up. My parents were there too. Uh, but I walked up and you sat me for the first couple innings because that was the rule. Like if you're late, that's, that's what happens. Um, and I remember knowing it was going to happen, accepting it, owning it, having to take responsibility for it. And there was just, I thought, I felt a lot more respect because you did it, you know, versus people just talking about it. So I appreciated things like that.
0: JB, not today, not today. They come yeah. where they want to come. They come whatever. if they're late, they're late. They still play, they're late. Cause you wouldn't have mm-hmm. a team, they quit. They'd all yeah. quit. They because there's so many teams, there's so many places that they can go play. There's so many uh, that if they don't like if if they don't like your strictness, if that's a word, um, they'll go somewhere else. That's all. I have um, I have two of my best players that I lost because there was a pop fly in foul territory that. Uh, and I told her, I said, a 12-year-old doesn't make that mistake. That's right. She has to run three steps, and she dropped the ball. And I said, now watch. And the girl hits the fence. Um, and I said, that runs on you. And so they quit uh, just for that. I didn't yell and scream. I just commented. But they didn't like... Um, They're soft. They didn't like to be reprimanded and, um, and they couldn't handle it. So they quit. And that's at this point, I tell people it doesn't matter who I coach. I just like to coach. I don't care. They can quit. I mean, they happen to be my best players. Okay. So what? I'll get other players. It's no big deal. And, uh, But I want them to understand and take, um, understand that, I want you to understand that that's not acceptable. You know, everyone makes mistakes, but you can't make mistakes that are so unbelievably routine that, that, like I said, uh, a little girl catches that ball. And, um, and you were going to miss it? Well, I closed my mitt too quick. Oh, well, that's good. So, you know, it is what this, it is.
1: Yeah. This reminds me a little bit of a conversation I had with Aubrey Monroe. Um, she was on the Tokyo Olympic team catcher. Went to Florida, too, like Kelsey.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: she came on the show, and we were talking about – she and I both um, are very – big on mental health and how important it is, Mm -hmm. but we were also talking about the balance of making sure you're mentally healthy, but still pushing yourself, you know, and and it is an interesting line to walk to, to do that because sometimes you're like, well, is this too much or is this too little? And you're trying to figure out what that balance is. Um, And I think it's an interesting thing that comes up a lot in today's game.
0: And that is a fine line that you're walking because you have, uh, oh, what's the, uh, you have the guard from the, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers that's playing, uh, in the world tournament right now, Rubio, that is a great player and he's playing pro basketball and he had to walk away. Because he's not—he's having trouble mentally, and so he has to get—he uh, uh, has to get some help, some professional help, and he made that perfectly clear. And I went, "That's unbelievable! This guy has it all. This guy's so mentally tough. This guy plays in all the arenas, and he is having trouble mentally. So you never know who it is." And the mind is very tricky. And and you're right. There are times that I thought, was I too tough on her? Uh, I'll give you an example. I was so unbelievably tough on Laura Espinosa because I thought she could be the best player in the world. And I thought she could handle it. But there came a time where I felt I'm so tough on her at every practice, just monstrously tough. And so I went up to her and I said, Laura, am I too tough on you? And she goes, Coach, let me tell you what tough is. Tough is after practice when I drive home to Wilmington and I have to dodge bullets that are being shot at me. That's what tough is. So you do whatever you want. I can handle whatever you do. Again, I never put my hands on an individual. I never swore at them. I just was tough on them and loud. And she says, I can handle anything. Just make me great. I remember her saying that. And she was. She was great. Um, In those days, whether it be the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s, quite honestly, Every player I had could handle me. And I was very, very difficult. I was a perfectionist, even though I understood nobody's perfect. I still was a perfectionist, but there were times when I felt that I was so tough that I had to communicate with that individual player and say, am I too tough on you? And if they said yes, and there has been some times where someone might have said yes, then I backed off. Because I don't want a kid to crack. I don't want to I don't want to be the person that she quit that that quit softball because of me that has um, mental illness because of me. So when I felt I was too tough, there were times where I would ask those people, you know, and uh, if I felt they just kept going along, and everything's fine, and they just just went down their back, they listened to what I had to say, and then ran and and went to go play and didn't make that mistake again. Then I go, okay, I I got through to that kid, and it's all right. And there are other times where they don't make mistakes, but I'm yelling at the littlest thing because I want them to be so brilliant. Uh, I have to go to them and say, am I just too tough? Because I've had college coaches come up to me and say, if you can play for Phil Bruder, you can play for any college in the country because nobody's as tough as he is. Now, again, that was early years. And yeah. uh, and to me, that's a compliment because I can't tell you all the kids that succeeded because they were tougher mentally than the than their opponent, or the people they were playing with. And and I enjoyed those statements. Some people might say, well, you better ease up. You're just too tough. And I said, no, that's a compliment. That's, uh, you know, that's why these kids become All-Americans.
1: I actually had one of my old um, coaches from college. Well, Trisha Ford. She's now the head coach at Texas Mm -hmm. A&M. And she was one of the assistants when I was at Stanford and she came on the show at one point and she had made a comment at one point about, we were talking about coaching and how you approach certain kids in different ways, depending on their personalities and things like that. And she mentioned, she was like, you know, for example, we knew that we could get on you a little bit because of your background. And she talked about, you know, it's a little more blue collar with like my family, for example, and also they knew who I played for. Before coming into college, you know, I had played for you. And so I had never really thought of it that way before, though, until she said that. I was like, oh, is that I didn't really think of it that way. But it it kind of clicked when she finally when we had that conversation.
0: I had a uh, I had a girl. I don't remember her first name, named Fitzpatrick. And it was God I don't know. It it was when uh, Hutch just started. So it had to be 35 years ago at Michigan and she's recruiting this kid and she gives this kid a lot of money. So I went up to her and thanked her and said, she's my 16th player. Why are you giving her as much money as you gave her? This is after she already signed to go to Michigan. And she says, because she's your 16th player. That doesn't mean she can't start for every other team in the country. And who, who who, as a pinch runner scored the winning run at the national final game? And I thought for a minute, and I go, Fitzpatrick did. He says, that's why she's getting the scholarship, because I need winners that can talk to my other players and impress upon them how to win where sometimes a coach is like a mother or a father to them and they stop listening. But their peers, they never stop listening to. And I thought that was just an amazing comment. And, I mean, Hutch was just a great coach at Michigan and a great person. As um, Jenny Allard, one of my favorites. I mean, she was, I think, 27 years at Harvard and now she went to Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, and I talked to her to congratulate her. I talked to some, I talked to the coaches, and one of the reasons I'm in Florida is Kenny Erickson, just a great person. If you got another minute, I'm going to give you a story about Kenny Erickson. Yep. So they're getting ready to play Florida. And maybe I shouldn't tell this story because I may get him in trouble, but this is years and years and years ago. And um, he said, uh, the first year Kelsey left Santa Barbara and I got her to Florida, but they didn't have money. So her mom paid for the first semester, which was a lot of money. I mean, it was like, $20,000 $20,000 or something like that. And Kenny knew that. So when they went by the line when they played, he went up to uh, at when uh, Kelsey was a freshman, he goes up to Kelsey and he says, I know this might be, not be ethical, but I'm best friends with your father. And I understand that your mother and your father got divorced. And if you ever need anything, whether it be food, whether it be lodging, whether it be anything. Here's my card, you call me. This is my direct line." And when he said that, I mean, I had known him already for about 25 years, but that just, that was a different human being. That's just different. So then I called him, because Kelsey wasn't playing as a freshman, And I said, I know you're going to play Florida. If she gets up to bat, can you throw her this cookie where she can hit the ball real far so maybe she can get in the game more often? He calls me back the next day. He says, cookie, huh? We were playing at our field. She hit the ball over the trees, over the scoreboard, and hit a car that was driving. So (laughs) must have been 300 feet. So forget about your cookies that I'm going to throw her anymore. So that was pretty funny.
1: (laughs) That is very funny. The amount of people that you know, Phil, because you would talk to us and say, oh, so-and-so's here. They used to play for me. And it was a coach at some college somewhere because there were so many that played for you that were coaching and still in the game in some way. And then now, even still, now you're so connected and know all these people, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you've been in the game over fifty years.
0: You have uh, you have certain coaches that don't agree with my philosophy. You have other coaches, especially in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, that were incredibly envious of uh, my success, and, and said things that were not very flattering, about me that were also not true. But that's why I told you before, I've never been on the internet, I don't use a computer. Because in those days, in the 90s, there were so many negative things said about me and positive. Where someone would get on group chat or whatever, and they'd say something negative, and someone would rebut that, and they'd fight on the internet. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear any of that. That's too much stress. Okay, so I think I'm more. I think I'm more uh, accepted today because of my longevity because of my success, again, not necessarily winning, but because I've had uh, players that are now coaches, players that are now, I only have one doctor. That's my stepdaughter. That's it. That's the only doctor I ever had. And another thing, Michelle Granger, who I still think is the number one pitcher in the world in the history of softball, I, uh, she wanted to go to Cal because she wanted to be a lawyer. So I called the, the, the last coach at Cal, and I said, I got a player, and she's the best that wants to go to your school, and she's a pitcher. So can you come out and watch her? We have enough pitchers. We don't need any more pitchers. I know, No, this girl is special. She's not just a pitcher. She will put you on the map. No, we have enough players. We have enough pitches. So I called the athletic director. And I said, listen, I need somebody to come out. And and then I found out the assistant coach played for me at Cal. So I called her and I said, listen, get out here. I got a kid that's the best. So she comes out and then the head coach gives her a full ride. And the rest is history. They never won because the catcher couldn't catch the ball. And, uh, and she'd get four strikeouts in an inning. But people would, the ball would get by the catcher. So they'd all run to first in those days. And um, we're in the world tournament. And I have a catcher named Karen Rice who never caught before. And we worked with her for one year because uh, the only catcher I had because Stacey Sonny could not catch because she was a week too old. um, so we taught her how to catch and I'm looking at my uh, uh, former mother-in-law who's my assistant coach and I said do you know Karen's not giving her any signs and I go so I looked at another pitch and she just Michelle would throw the ball and so I called timeout I went out to the mound and I said Karen you're not giving her signals whether it be a rise a drop a curve what is it she says, "Coach, Michelle has no idea where that ball is going, so she lets it go, and the ball goes over the bat, or it goes under the bat, or it goes <laughs> to the side of the bat, and I have to catch it <laughs> because I can't give her a signal because she doesn't know where that ball is going, and that's at eighteen and under." So I went back to the dugout and I go, "This game's unbelievable." I mean, she's throwing so hard, and this catcher is catching the ball. It's not even hitting her or anything. So uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, the pitcher-catcher uh, relationships, I always think, are, are really interesting and, and usually pretty funny, too, because we talk about the whole team and all the important positions, but there's nothing quite like those two.
0: Yes, that's correct. And, and they have to be in sync, if they're yeah. not good luck and the pitcher has to be able to trust the catcher about, you know, if I'm going to throw a drop ball, it's going to go in the dirt. Can she stop it? Or I can't throw it. And yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, it's pretty interesting.
1: Well, I remember you also, um, you had a routine as always when we would be on defense um, when you'd whistle. For balls in. And we weren't supposed to throw the balls in when the umpire told us to. We were supposed to throw the balls in on your whistle. And that's when we knew, like, okay, catcher will throw it down to second. We'll get ready for the inning. Do you still do that?
0: Yes. And not only do I do that, but there's something else I do that I can't tell you why or how I know. Because I don't know myself. But I will whistle and move players over here, over there, over wherever, and seldom am I ever wrong. That ball is hit right to where I move, that player. And I've got players that look at me like I'm Houdini. (laughs) And they ask me, Coach, how did you know that? Well, I had an idea where the bat was. I kind of knew what pitch was being thrown. So I have an idea of... How she, where she hit the ball last time and how she hit it. And so I'm moving players in that position. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They hit the ball in the same spot. The, they, they seldom can do something different uh, because their coaches aren't teaching them. It goes back to coaching to do something different. So they hit the ball the same way, and my girls are standing there especially you got left-handed slappers and I've got a left fielder on the foul line. I've got my center fielder playing left center field. I got my shortstop over towards third and the balls hit right to them. And they go, yeah. Coach, how did you know that? And I guess it's experience, but it's also, I can't tell them. I, I, Cause it's <laughs> too involved. It's too, there's too many different reasons. And it's a split second. Maybe that's why I haven't lost my mind yet. Because because, uh, I still do that. I still move kids. And they're still amazed that that ball's hit to them. Now, if they make an error, and I put them right where they're supposed to be, and they can't make that play, now I'm upset. (laughs) And I tell them, I put you just where the ball was hit. You can't make that play. It's right to you. Not like you have to dive for it. And but I say it in a different manner today than (laughs) maybe when you were playing.
1: I do remember you moving us around. I remember that happening multiple times. Uh, And I guess that's kind of like just the old school paying attention like that's the scouting you know of of these different hitters and then today you have all this data and all this film and all of these things that coaches you know analyze and go through um but you know it's a lot different
0: i would not i don't think i would be a good college coach today (laughs) i don't like doing all that i like the old-fashioned way where You don't have all the uh, launch angles and all the different uh, centimeters and exactly where that person's gonna hit it or exactly what this pitcher's gonna pitch at this time. And I just, uh, I don't know, I'm too old fashioned. I don't, uh, you know, they don't have that in travel ball. At least to my knowledge, you just go out there and you coach.
1: Yeah. yeah. They you care more about how far the ball goes not the exit velocity.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you look at today and these coaches have to have that and they have to study that because they're making millions of dollars. They're, they're not only I mean you look at um, you look at Patty Gasso. Uh, I think she signed a 10 million dollar contract. That's unheard of in women's softball and you look, at, um, well, you look at Tim Walton, uh, he signed 300000 a year base salary. That doesn't include Oakley's that he wears the glasses. <laughs> it doesn't include his tennis shoe contract. That doesn't include... So he's making a million a year. You know, the, the money that's being thrown out there today is unbelievable. And so sometimes I think... Maybe maybe I should have coached collegiately, but I didn't have a chance. Because in those days, I was blackballed. Because they were afraid that I would embarrass their institution. Even though I coached as an assistant coach at Loyola Marymount University, uh, and I was very quiet. I never, ever raised my voice. Uh, they set home run records for the school. I coached Sam Fisher. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of great players that I help make. And Gary Farron, may, may he rest in peace, wanted me to be his assistant coach and his hitting coach. So anytime we would disagree, it would be at lunch behind closed doors and we could deal with each other, okay, because we were best friends, but it would never be on the field. But when I was coaching the Raiders, the only person that I had to uh, account to was Phil Bruder, right? (laughs) Whatever I wanted to do, where I understood if you're a college coach, there is the athletic director. There's a board of governors. There's the president of the institution. I get that. I'm not a moron. I understand that. Another thing that's a lot of fun is I still go around the country, not often, probably twice a year, doing hitting clinics. I mean, I went to I went to New Jersey, I went to Alabama, I went to uh, California, um, and did hitting clinics. And I enjoy that because I always enjoy teaching to kids I've never seen before, and then look at their face when they hit the ball further than they've ever hit it before. And they said, well, can't you come back next week? No, no, I can't go back to California next week. No, <laughs> I can't go back to New Jersey next week. So I do a couple of those a year and, um, and that's fun. That's always fun. So I'm still active. Um, I don't coach third anymore. I sit in a chair in the dugout and every half inning, I go out and I tell them, you did this wrong, you did this right. You did this wrong, you did this wrong. Then I work with the hitters in the dugout before they go up to the plate. But I have very competent coaches, sisters that coach first and they coach third and they hit infield and outfield. So I don't have to do any of that. The problem is, if you can see that I'm tan, the problem is we played in a tournament a week ago and they had AstroTurf. After hmm. AstroTurf was 115 degrees and my the bottom of my tennis shoes melted. That's how oh. hot it was. And so that was exhausting. You know, you played three games Saturday in pool play and then you played single elimination and we get to the finals, So that's seven games. I couldn't even move for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was so exhausting so that uh, I move slower I, I can tell I move slower but that's the only thing that I think is different I'm healthy and um and and I'm always excited to uh coach
1: well travel you're right about the weather travel ball is when I experienced all the weather being from California you know it's pretty nice most of the time but then you go to Lancaster and it's 115 but then you go to you know, across the country to other, to Kentucky and to all these other places, and you find out what weather is.
0: Yeah, and in Florida, it's that way too. Now, I yeah. see the good thing is I can wear shorts all year round. That's true. Yeah, and the also the good thing is it goes from usually 60 to 100. The 100 is just a, a excruciating pain, and 60 is very cold. But how cold is 60. When you're in Michigan and it's zero, yeah. (laughs) uh, I said, but the humidity is terrible. Okay, you got to deal with it. I mean, everything can't be perfect. Um, Yeah. And the only problem I had was with California. It got it got too messy. It got you couldn't drive anywhere. It was bumper to bumper everywhere in Southern California, and I couldn't deal with that. I just you know, it used to be where we lived, it would take me ten minutes to get to the freeway. When we moved, it took it would take me a half hour to get to the freeway. Not yeah to get not once the free not once I was on the freeway, but get to the freeway. It's just bumper to bumper. I, I can't deal with that.
1: Yep, it's definitely just gotten more and more. Even in the Bay Area, I thought I had escaped a little bit of the Southern California traffic, but it's It's just as much. Well, I have one more question for you before we do our wrap-up. What is the thing or the impact that you've made that you're proudest of throughout all these 50-plus years?
0: Well, the one thing without any question whatsoever is, I call them my kids, getting my kids scholarships that's the most important thing that I've achieved. That's more important than anything else. That's more important than um, I have numerous kids that were all Americans. I have numerous kids that were on the Olympic team. All that is pale to uh, getting kids scholarships. That includes, you'll understand how important that means to me, that includes the accomplishments of my kids. Now, not that I love my kids any less, that's not the point. The point is the number one goal. And it's always been that number one goal is to get kids to college. There is. um, And I can do that regularly because I've been in it so long and been so successful. And I'll give you one quick story stacy nelson who's the all-american at uh, florida was the all-american and in their hall of fame at this point i don't know how many people are in the hall of fame but i think stacy nelson and kelsey are two of the uh, of only and she comes up to me because i was teaching her hitting and down below where i was teaching hitting was um, diane lewis teaching pitching and And so she worked with Diane Pitching, worked with me hitting, because in high school and in travel ball, she was a hitter. So she wanted to be a better hitter. So she comes up to me in our hitting lesson. She comes up with her father, and she says, uh, I asked her, like I asked all the kids, and she is a junior becoming a senior. And I said, where do you want to go to college? Where can I help you? Uh, And she says, I want to go to Florida. So... uh, I picked up the phone right there and I called um, Karen Sancelli, who was the head coach at the time at the yeah. University of Florida. And I says, I got a player that wants to go to your school. And I said, uh, she says, who is it? I says, it's Stacy Nelson. Stacy Nelson, that's about five foot 10 with a great curve ball. And yeah, that's Stacy Nelson. She says, how much does she need? I said, how much did you need when I got you to South Carolina? (laughs) She says, okay, I'll give her a full ride. Okay, thanks. I love you. Goodbye. And hung up. And her dad looks at me like he saw a ghost. (laughs) So now I said, said, "Um, Miss Nelson, you go home and you carry on a dialogue with Karen Sancelli until you get the uh, information, how to apply. And now you've got a full ride to Florida. And she hugged me and said, thank you. So she leaves and her dad said, why are you going to do that? I said, do what? I thought he'd say, thank you. <laughs> do what? Tell my daughter she has a full ride to Florida when she says that's her dream school. I said, because I did. I know you were either talking to your mother or you were talking to a busy signal. You couldn't have picked up the phone and called Karen Sancelli and she answers it. So why did you do that? I said, I'll tell you what. You just go home and let your daughter go to Florida. <laughs> comes in next week with his head down. He said... Everybody said you could never do what you want to do, even though you say you could do anything you want to do. Okay. And I believe them. I so apologize (laughs) and uh, because my daughter is going to go to Florida and I go there often. And I know that uh, uh, you don't go to the games, but I will bring you back different souvenirs. I will fly you out there if you want to fly out there. I will tell you every time at bat that Kelsey comes up, I will film it. I'll do anything you want. Just thank you and please accept my apology. I said, it's accepted. But that's what people think. They think he can't do what he wants to do. And yes, I can. Can I do anything I want to do? Of course not. But If a girl is a good enough softball player, I'll get her to college. If she goes 0 for 20, like I tell them, if you go 0 for 20, what would you like me to do? Tell the college coach, oh, she's much better than that. Everybody tells a college coach she's much better than that. But if you're successful when they're watching, then um, you'll go to college. And so that was a long statement on what I'm most proud of. Uh, I'm not, and and I had so much help. I mean, not only my assistant coaches were really good, but my players were great. They weren't just good. They were great. Now, did I help them? Yes, I helped them. Did I make them? No, of course not. They were very talented when I got them. I just helped them get better And, and probably maybe even put them over the top. Because they were great. And so that's what I'm most, uh, most appreciative of, that they always listened. They, they may not have agreed, but the only time I would let them talk is when I would say, do you agree with that? Or And then they would be afraid to talk. But I would say, if I ask you a question, then feel free to give me the honest answer. Or oh, I'm not going to ask you. If I ask you, is that fair? Then you can say, no, coach, you're just too tough on me. Why aren't you tough on Jane Doe? Why aren't you tough on this? You're too tough on me. And I'll explain why. And then I'll ease up. If if she feels I'm too tough, I've got to ease up. Because I don't want yeah. him to quit. Yeah.
1: Also, Karen was on the show recently, just a couple months ago. I loved her. Yeah. She She recruited me at Virginia after she was at Florida, later on, Um, and we got to reconnect. Uh, I saw her in person. She was with ESPN, and I worked a little bit for ESPN, helped out at the Stanford Regional this past year, so that was fun. Well, to wrap up with every guest that I have on the show, I play a little game called Safer Out. And basically, I'll bring something up, and if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you call it out. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first one is doing signals with the armbands. So not the traditional, you know, touches that the coaches do, but using those armbands for signals.
0: Out. Definitely. Had a feeling. Out. I hate that. I will never use that. I don't want to use that. My simple my signals are so simple. you know, hit, take, steal. How tough is that? I got I have three signals. that's it. These people are calling 4725 and they call all these different numbers in blue 27. and when a different pitcher comes in everyone has to change an armband because they're different pitches and different oh no I don't like that at all.
1: Yeah, it does make the game longer. Much. I think. Yeah. And the, okay.
0: And the softball game will go to eventually, like the major leagues, to make it a shorter game where you have X amount of time to pitch. You, yeah. you have one time you can call timeout if you're a hitter. You can't be looking at the armband for an hour. You can't yeah. do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, that was the first one. Second one is NIL, name, image, likeness, student athletes getting paid. You talked about this earlier, but for the record, safer out?
0: Safe. Yeah. I, I think that uh, they deserve that. If there was only money for the player, then I would have said out, but it's not. You get millions of their successes going to the school you get paid millions of dollars because you have great athletes that win games that's why you're on espn that's why your school is getting millions and millions of dollars because you're on espn and they're paying you or you're on fox or you're on whatever tv channel there is uh, and they pay you so i think that the student athletes should get something um, I'm for the student athlete. Uh, if, like I said, if, if the school did not get paid, I would have said out because they are getting, I don't know what it costs you to go to school, 50, $60,000 a year. You're talking about over a quarter of a million dollars worth of education. You get to eat, you get to sleep, you get your books, you get to go to school and then you graduate. You know, if you are smart enough to graduate, that's a lot of money. So yeah. if the school wasn't getting anything, I would have said out. But now the school for years have made millions of dollars off kids. So now it's safe.
1: Yeah. Okay. The last one is that flips safer out.
0: Do I have to say safe or out? Um, It's okay. Safe. You hit home run, safe. But now let me try to preface that. Okay. If you're going to do that, now they don't do that today, but in the past, if you're going to try to embarrass my team because you hit a home run, you're going to get hit in the ribs next time up. Okay, If you're going to hit a player of mine because she hit a home run, dropped her bat, and ran around, and you're going to hit her because you didn't like she hit a home run, she didn't embarrass you or anything like that, then you better make sure your best player doesn't come up. Because that's why my kids very rarely got hit. In other words, if they got hit, it's because the ball missed, because the pitcher's wild. I can I can accept that. Okay, but don't hit one of my kids because she just homered off you. Or don't hit one of my kids because you don't like her. Um, if the ball slipped, if it missed, I know whether it missed or not. Then, yeah. And that's why very seldom do my kids get hit because I'll retaliate. Am I- <laughs> but see, they don't retaliate today. In the past, hit this girl. Okay. Don't hit her in the head. Don't hit her where anything can hurt. Hit her in the ribs, okay? She has some padding in the ribs or hit her in the backside, something like that. But make her understand you're not gonna take pot shots off my kids. So to flip the bat, that's all right, safe.
1: Danielle Laurie said the same thing. She said, expect one in the ribs.
0: Oh, good. good for yeah. her. <laughs> and I like her when she's on TV. She's pretty good. And uh but I'm surprised she said that because she's not old fashioned. She hasn't she hasn't left that long ago. Maybe she has. Well, yeah, I guess she has. Well,
1: she she came back for the Olympics, but I mean she won the national championship in two thousand nine. Her last year was two thousand ten.
0: Yeah, I don't want to hear that. She beat Florida, but go ahead.
1: Right, and that's true. She did.
0: <laughs> right. I, I think she was a great player, great hitter, great pitcher, great for the game. I, re- yeah. I really like her a lot. But I like her more now since you made that comment because <laughs> she's the pitcher. She has the ball. Yep. You know, and if she will do that, and I truly believe she would do that. <laughs> but not just because. There has to be a right. reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, thank you again, Phil. This was really fun. It was a nice reunion on top of us getting to, you know, do the show and talk about all these different topics. So thank you again.
0: I have never done this before. And <laughs> uh, and I appreciate it because I had a lot of fun. So Good. thank you for That's me. the
1: point. Yes, of Anytime. course. Anytime. I've said before how one of my favorite things about this show has been building new relationships and making new friends. I would add that reconnecting with old friends has also been a highlight. You know, when we recorded this, my conversation with Phil ended up being the longest I've ever had on this show, which was not a surprise to me, hence the two-part episode situation. But I think hearing from past teammates who played with me for him And seeing that they're listening and watching into these episodes, that's been really fun too. And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about erring on the side of action. They say that we actually end up regretting things that we didn't do in life more than the things that we did. Because I think being left wondering what could have been is just not a good feeling, whether it's a big thing or a small thing. It's like, would you rather dive for a ball and see what happens or just watch the ball go by? It's like, we don't play softball to just watch it go by, right? We're not really living either if we just watch time go by. And a good small example is when I reached out to Phil. You know, I had thought about having him on for a while. as one of my old travel ball coaches and I hadn't talked to him in over 10 years. Like he said last week, you know, he's getting older now. The guy's pushing 80 and he's not big on the internet. So I just called the same phone number I had for him back in the day and took a shot. He answered on the second ring and we got to catch up, obviously set up this interview and here we are. You know, it's like, we just did it, I just did it. And I remember for years, another example that's totally not softball related. There was this little sort of man-made island right off the beach, not far from where my parents live in Camarillo. There was this pier bridge that connected it to the shore. And we'd drive by a bunch and my dad and I would always say, you know, hey, we really want to go eat there someday like at that restaurant there. It seems really cool. And so one day we finally just did it. You know we went and drove over there and we couldn't figure out how to get to the bridge. so we actually asked around a little bit and we found out that the island was man-made not because there's a restaurant out there, but it was actually a development for oil. So there wasn't a restaurant out there. Normal people are not allowed over there. And we felt really silly, obviously. But then, you know, it's like, okay, we just went to the closest restaurant that was right on the beach, looking out at the ocean and the island, and we still had a pretty good time. So even if it wasn't what we pictured, we still made it good, and I'm still glad that we tried. And sometimes, you know, you try, it it might not turn out well, but I'd rather go down swinging than looking. So that's it. Error on the side of action. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show. If you liked it, write a review for it. Again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at Jenna one and Instagram at Jenna Becerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon.